I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. Welcome to the Tim May podcast featuring Boston Ward. Hello, Boston. Hello, Tim. How are you? And of course, this is not, it may seem like it, but it's not a Groundhog Day edition. Uh, it just seems like we we woke up yesterday and it's the same as tomorrow or, or the day before, et cetera. Uh, bottom line is I've got a couple of guests on uh, this week's show. Uh, Jay Richardson, a former Ohio State defensive end who played in the NFL, was a starter as a rookie with the uh, Oakland Raiders, has his own thing going now. But he had some great insight, not just on what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic cancellation, et cetera, in the Big Ten, uh, and uh, what these players may be dealing with from a mental standpoint. But he also has some insight on Jack Sawyer, my other guest this week, uh, rising star, uh, big-time defensive end from Pickerington, who has uh, opted to forego his senior season (laughs) at at Pickerington to – to get ready to play football at Ohio State. Who knows, you might get to play football in the spring. What do you think, Boston? Yeah, I think that the, there are a lot of complications before we can get to that point, and you don't really uh, necessarily want to roll. Even guys as physically ready as Jack Sawyer out there uh, for a true freshman season after maybe five or six or seven practices, I mean, that's going to be a challenge for everybody. Uh, we're going to have to go one step at a time, but that is certainly part of Ohio State's new sales pitch to these recruits who might be able to enroll early that, hey, maybe there's a chance for a spring game for you. Yeah, you know, save all of that good savory stuff from from this booyah base we're dealing with here today because uh, we're going to have a little short segment with you and I uh, after after we have Jay Richardson and, and Jack Sawyer. But uh, the interesting thing here is, is we all know about the Justin Fields petition that uh, as we started uh, recording this uh, on a Monday morning, late Monday morning here this week, uh, had already get, gathered more than 235,000 signatures, if in fact that's what you call them, <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, we're, we're, we'll, we'll get into whether Kevin Warren and the Big Ten, how much attention they should pay to it. But also, you know, as you well know, I had uh, Dr. Corey M. Teague, the father of uh, Ohio State football player Master Teague III, on with a separate little short little podcast uh, a reprise today where he and the uh, parents sent a letter to the uh, Big Ten uh, asking for basically reconsideration about the season and uh, obviously several other schools around the Big Ten have had parents do the same thing. I do, I do believe Penn State, Michigan, I think Iowa, right, Nebraska have all joined in that. that that's five schools. I mean, uh, that's a lot of parents speaking up and uh, we're going to touch on that when we get back. But, but first, enjoy this uh, interview I had with Jay Richardson, a former player at Ohio State, like I said, who went on to an NFL career and is back in town and, uh, you know, does things with Channel 6, uh, but also has his own, own little gambit going. And uh, he has some interesting takes on the current situation uh, at Ohio State and in college football. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back with a blast from the past. Hey, actually, he's a blast from the present. Uh, Jay Richardson. Jay, thanks for joining the Tim May Podcast. Hey, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Always fun to hang out with you, brother. Right, I mean, same here, man. We were talking. We they couldn't hardly separate us the other day when we were waiting outside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center because uh, there's a lot of conversation to be had these days about what's what's going on. And uh, you know, and you branched off. You know, you're doing all kinds of things besides television. Give some give people some idea of what else you're doing in your life. Yeah, I'm doing some podcasting as well. I got the Two Cents show that I uh, that I host, obviously. And you know what? It's it's really cool because we get into that that gray area between sports, entertainment, sometimes politics, and in real life. And I think it's important for people to get a chance to uh, to see these athletes up close. Uh, I've been able to interview a bunch of Olympic athletes, interview a bunch of my former teammates. Uh, I'll be having Maurice Claret on again. Pretty soon, he's doing some amazing things in the business world, yeah. and I want I want to kind of highlight that. Um, and I, I had most recently Jalen Holmes, uh, who was the defensive tackle for Ohio State for uh, during this, you know the national championship run, uh, defensive end. Now he's with the Minnesota Vikings. He's he's kicking butt up yeah. there, looking to uh, you know fight for a starting job this fall. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him. Um, a local hometown hero who we don't talk a lot about, Bradley McDougal was with the Seahawks, just got traded in that blockbuster trade for Jamal Adams to the Jets. Uh, we talked about that. He's loving the Jets, loving being in New York. Um, but I just want people to kind of go along with these athletes' rides and their experiences and, and, and connect with them as humans and not so much just as, hey, that is, there's that guy that I see on TV. Like, no, no, no. Here's his life. Here's what he really goes through. It's not that much different than yours. And I think my podcast, you know, the goal is to bring people closer. Yeah, it's funny because you know, the way you describe sports now, it is an amalgamation of uh... – of politics, of entertainment, of, of hard work. It's kind of like the Mississippi River when it reaches New Orleans. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of tributaries that have gone into it, you know, sure, to, sure, sure. to make it mighty. But uh, I want to get, you know, to, to you. I mean, this, this is a challenging, interesting time to be a college athlete, maybe even a high school athlete. But we'll talk about that in a minute, but also a, a pro athlete, right? I mean, yeah. it's coming at you fast these days, right? I'm talking about for those guys. You know, for these guys right now, there there is no you got you know this, Tim. Us athletes, we're we're creatures of habit. You know, we rely on structure. Uh, this is why guys do better generally in Bill Belichick's program with the Patriots. It's not because they love Bill or because it's a fun program, but there's a, a specific structure and there's a culture to it, and guys adhere to that, and then they 
do well. When left yeah. to our own devices, most of us young guys, you know, who knows what will happen. And I think this has been a challenging time for athletes just because there's been so much time off. Guys aren't really sure what to do. They're trying to work out. They're trying to stay focused. But there's so much uncertainty with the seasons, you know, with these bubbles that you're seeing. You know, obviously NBA, NFL can't really do one. And then college football, man, it's a disaster. When you look at these conferences, they've had – they knew this was coming back in February and they've had tons and tons of time to figure something out. And especially when you look at the big 10, you get the rollout on Wednesday of here's our schedule. And then the following Monday, we're shutting it down. And you're like, you guys had six months to figure this out. And this is what we come up with. So yeah. no one really knows what's happening. I feel bad for the athletes right now because it's such a tough territory to be in. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be really sad if you find out in the final analysis that what they did by putting out that schedule was throwing everybody a bone, you know, and then, Right. And with no intention to ever let them eat that bone, you know, for pardon for following up on my analogy there, because it did come so rapid fire. I know, you know, we know about the, the heart situation that a lot of people are worried about with this thing. But, you know, you can get that whether or not you're practicing football or not, whether or not you're even a, an athlete. Uh, there are ways to monitor that uh, to whether you do. And like I said, well, you know, if a kid gets COVID-19, and he does develop that. He just doesn't play. But, you know, does everybody not play because this guy can't play, you know? And the idea that, that necessarily COVID-19 is going to spread more rapidly through a football team, well, it, there, is, there is evidence that if it gets into a, you know, a group of people, so to speak, who are together every day, that it does spread rapidly. But Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and – most of these schools have done a great job in the Big Ten of keeping things, yeah. you know, sequestered, keeping guys uh, away from each other. But ultimately, you do have to play football. And like I said, you know, you're ill. The guys that played on the lines were probably the most uh, in jeopardy because of facing each other from five to 15 seconds of play, every play breathing harder than each other. But, but that's supposing that the guy across from you has got COVID, but they, they had set up the testing protocols to safeguard against that, right? So, and they never really let it even take shape in preseason camp. Uh, how frustrating do you think it is for a football player to be thinking through all of that? Oh, it's beyond frustrating. And I think what the kids are trying to tell us, if us adults would just listen, is we want to be at the facility. We want to play football. We feel safest at the facility we don't feel safe not playing football and I think that's what people have to kind of wrap their head around right now is and I'm telling you this Tim as a former collegiate you know high school professional athlete the safest and most cared for I've ever been is when I was a part of a football program meaning especially right now when you look at this COVID stuff and you look at what's happening across the country and really the world these kids are going to be in an environment where they're going to be tested twice a week, where they're going to have a full medical staff on call 24-7, and where they're only going to be interacting with other guys who have been tested twice a week. And it almost is like a bubble uh, in yes. a sense. And what the Big Ten is saying when they say, no, we're not doing sports, we're getting everybody out of there, is you're kicking the kids out of their bubble, kind of like this is where they feel comfortable. And you're saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to do it because right. we can't control the optics. We can't control the liability. And most importantly, we can't control the PR of how it might look. And I guess I, I'm of the mindset that to hell with the PR right now, 
The safety of the kids is obviously paramount. That's most important. But once we can show the numbers decreasing and their safety going up, which we have done over the last handful of weeks, you can, you can I mean, it's, it's quantifiable. So then what are we really talking about here? And I think, it, you know, it comes down to liability with these schools and it comes down to, you know, no one wants a massive class action lawsuit down the road. And I guess you have to understand that, but let's not pretend this is just strictly about player safety, because if it was, they'd yeah. be at the facility right now practicing and you would not be even teasing the idea of having a spring season and then a fall season right after that. That's not player safety. So yeah. I think we all kind of have to hop back in the reality boat and get out of this dream boat that we're in of what we think could happen. What about the love boat, man? Why don't you get the love boat to come to the dock? I mean, I you know, love that. yeah, but here's the thing, you know, like I, I had Dr. Corey M. Teague, who's Master Teague the Third's dad. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's one of those leaders of that, you know, that letter they wrote, uh, uh, the Football Parents Association of Ohio State wrote to Kevin Warren, along with like Penn State had the same group do that, to Iowa, over the weekend. You're, you're aware of all that. And, uh, yeah. and I, but I asked him this, I said, you know, if you're giving approval for your son to play football under supervised conditions from the standpoint of the protocol set up for COVID-19 and your sons are, you know, with Justin Fields, uh, petition that he put online it, when I went to bed uh, as we taped this on Monday morning or record this on Monday morning uh, uh, you know it had over 200 I think 215 220,000 signatures uh, as of Monday morning of people stepping up and saying yeah we we agree with this guy but aren't you kind of taking yourself out of the idea of being able to turn around and then sue you know if something then happens to you, sure. if in fact the protocols are set in place, you're you're taking that step of we accept the risk. Uh, you, you're a former player. You understand that too, right? I mean, there's there are some precedents being set here by by letters being written. I, I think that's a huge part of it. And I don't know if it's going to work, man, Tim. I hope it does. I hope it at least moves the needle enough to get the Big Ten to sit back down. Yeah. You know? and, and I hope it's not just the Ohio State – um, um, bubble here in central Ohio and, and, and you know, getting involved. I hope, I hope the whole Midwest kind of gets on this train. And Let me interrupt you, Jay. Yeah. Just wait till they cancel uh, SEC football. Then you're going to see some bubbles. <laughs> it's going to be like a kid. It's going to be like a kid's birthday party. Go ahead now. Well, they're all going to lose it, man. And, and you know, and it's we all know the SEC. They operate a little differently down south. You know, they kind of do their thing. But I, I, I agree with you. I think this thing is it's it, it's got to be an all or nothing thing. You know, either every conference has to just figure it out and let's just forge forward. Oh, I don't know that any one or two are going to be able to stand on their own with, with, with all of this. But when you talk about uh, these parents and what they're able to do and Justin Fields getting all these signatures, uh, this is why everyone's talking about unions, uh, player unions for the collegiate athletes, because it's one thing to have these kids sign a waiver, just the kids and say, you know, hey, we're agreeing not to, you know, uh, sue so there's no subsequent suits down the road and we're agreeing we're going to risk this to go play our, our sport and I think the kids would all sign it because they yeah. want to be there and they, and they understand that they're safer there than they are on the streets um, yeah. but I think it would be a stronger thing because some of those waivers are paper thin you know they might not hold up if some time down the road someone yeah. wants to sue but if there's a union behind it or at least a document like these you know this document with all of these signatures behind it going hey we are all vouching for this. We are all, you know, kind of endorsing uh, this idea. And all these parents are going, yes, we want to, 
then it becomes a much stronger thing. If for some reason there is a parent or a couple way down the road that decide to do that, they can ha have a document that they can look back on and refer back to and go, look, you guys all signed off on this. You guys wanted this. This is, yeah. this is what comes with it. And I'm okay with that. You know, I think we all got to get away from this idea. And this might be an unpopular opinion, Tim, but uh, this idea that we can hide from COVID-19. You can't hide from it, okay? It's out there. It's going to be working its way through. You know, 99.36 people are going to be just fine. So instead of hiding, let's accept our reality here in America and let's not let it destroy our industries and let's not let it destroy our, our, our sporting industries and, you know, and our economy because that's the real danger, I think. You know, if the economy yeah. tanks and everything goes down and we lose our way of life, well, that'll take us out far more than a medical emergency. Would. Yeah, take, take, take proper precautions, et cetera, maybe even more than ever. But I, I see where you're coming from. I, I understand that way of thinking. But being 66, I don't want to get it, you know. <laughs> so, you know, there's that, there's that other side of it, you know. You, By the way, you look great, man. I tell you so what. Well, I, I, I thought you were 48. They told me before. Yeah, I, I, I believed it. Yeah, you ought to see what I'm wearing, man, below this uh, below this jacket. But that's another story. That's, that's a podcast. That's a podcast for another day. That'd be NC-17, but I digress. Uh, real quick, though, you know, uh, this is what has, this is what has jumped out in Jay because you played college football. What has jumped out from this whole thing as much as anything else is major college football is a it's not a ship unto itself. It's ten ships unto themselves. Yeah. No, with no admiral, you know, telling them where to go. I mean, I'm talking about the NCAA. They pretty I know exactly much, what you're talking it's, about. It's like it looks it looks like a bunch of cats who've just been let out into into somebody's house. They all go different directions. Three of them hang out together. The rest of them go another, another way. And uh, I'm, I'm running, you know, I could, I could have analogies out the, out, out the yin-yang here, but I'm not going to get to that. But it is crazy that think of the National Football League. If the, if, if the AFC East wanted to play yeah. and the Central didn't or the North didn't. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean – It'd be, it'd be chaos. You would never see that, right? But that's no, what we're talking not. about. But that's what we're talking about here. Instead of 32 teams in the uh, National Football League, you've got a, whatever it is in the Power Five, and three of the three of the five Power Cup Five conferences are still determined to play, and the other two aren't. How can you let that as an organization, how can you let that happen? It doesn't make any sense, Tim, and I think what we're finding now, what we're – what this uh, whole year, uh, this, this pandemic year has kind of shown us and exploited is the fact that the NCAA as a governing body is pretty inept. They don't really have a plan and they never really did. Um, they are slowly showing themselves to be, might I even say obsolete or unnecessary. I feel yeah. like that's what we're moving towards with this and this, and this year has kind of accelerated it. Uh, one, you got player likeness and stuff coming up next year where they'll be able to earn off their likeness and they'll be able to kind of um, have a little bit more of a say, these, these individual athletes. But yeah, that's separate. I think as, as, as a conference, all these different individual conferences, especially the Power Five, once they realize, hold on, if the NCAA is not going to offer any guidance or get involved during the time where we need it most, what do we need them for? Why, why have we been, you know, why have we even been allowing them to, 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 to kind of hold this over us and be this governing body if they don't govern? Yeah. I think moving forward, things are going to change radically in college football. And I think this is going to be the catalyst 
for why, you know, two years from now, maybe a year and a half from now, we see a completely different landscape across the board in, in this country with, with our NCAA. I don't know that they're going to be necessary anymore, especially if a, if a couple conferences find a way to forge forward and have a season. Uh, by the way, Tim, I don't know how you declare a national champion this year. Yeah, um, I don't either. I mean, we'll see where that goes. If you wanted to move forward, you could have an SEC champion and you could have them, you know, uh, line up against a Big 12 champion and call it whatever you want to call it. But it's not yeah. going to be a college national championship. I think they call it a bowl game. They're just playing ball out there. And, yeah. and that's great. But, you know, I think what they will all take from this is, what do we need the SEC for? I mean, the NCAA for again? Because yeah, not but let me let me jump in here with this, OJ. This is what's interesting. Just when you get your freedom, as the old saying goes, you know, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. You know, as uh, Janis Joplin, Chris Christopherson wrote. Uh, but uh, you still have to have an organization. You will still have to have rules. You will still have to have a rules organization. It would just be tailored. The problem has been they've had a hard time keeping. Uh, the Power Five, along with the what I call them the next five, because I never can remember the name of the next five conferences that are in Division One, and they're apples and oranges. You know, I mean, they really are the MAC school budgets and uh, revenues compared to uh, Big Ten revenues. That's a stark example. But you still would have to have a governing body with rules. You can't just have people, you know, running amok, you know, uh, et cetera. So that that will be the next move, I think. But there will still be an organization of some sort formed to deal with it. You agree with that? You have to have that, right? Yeah, you can't have the inmates running the asylum, so to speak. Right. You, know, you, you kind of got to have someone uh, to, you know, jingle the bell and go, hey, all right, everybody bring it up. Here's what we're doing. Here's how it's going to work. And, and, and I think between the Power Five conferences, they could come up with something, some sort of a board or a body um, made up of, you know, maybe the commissioners of, of each conference and, uh, you know, the ADs or, you know, their respective conferences and come together and say, all right, here's how we're going to run this. I think we can all get on the same page with this and come up with a list of, I mean, they can do their own thing. I, if, if, if nothing else, this year shows you, you don't really need, I mean, you know, yeah. everyone is going to have to be self-sufficient as, as an individual conference and, and figure it out. So if that's the case, I'm sure they can figure out how to come together and form their own deal. And I think- well, let, me tell you something. let me tell you something. Anything affiliated with college sports though, in the final analysis, the presidents and chancellors of the universities are going to be in charge. I mean, that's, there's no way, you know, there's, there's no, no way, way you can get around that. And of course, the big, the big, uh, big concern, if that's the right term. I mean, obviously, you know, Christina Johnson, the new president of Ohio State, and Gene Smith were for, for delaying the start of the season, but not pushing it to spring. If that, you know, when that big meeting was, you and I were standing outside the Woodhays at the center last week talking about things, they were for that move, but evidently others or for canceling the season and playing in the spring. Real quick before I move on to what else I want to talk to you about, can a spring season work, in your opinion? Can you play six or eight games and then turn around and play 10 or 12 games in the fall? Is In your mind as a former player in both the college football and the NFL, uh, can that work? Oh, it's for once, for just one time and out of out of history. Can we do a one-time-only spring season? Here's the thing with the spring season, uh, it, because it leaves more questions than answers. And I want to start with just the obvious stuff. Let's get it out of the way, right? You're, yeah. you're going to try to start it when? January, February, March? What are we really talking yeah, about? Let, let, yeah, let's define it. We're talking about spring semester, not spring. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What is a spring, you know, because Ryan Day wants to start, you know, January right away, you know. Yeah. And, and other people are like, well, let's give it until February. So, so that's right 
question one. Number two, um, if we're not safe in August, September, why are we more safe five months from now? I don't, I don't know what's going to magically happen other than the election that, that's yeah. going to all of a sudden make us safer. By the way, uh, quick, quick, uh, quick, just pause, put a pin in that. Speaking of the election, it was interesting to see Donald Trump tweet about how we need to have college football. I'm wondering if that's going to have any weight uh, on, on, on trying to get something done to get these kids back on the field. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Let me hop back into the spring. So we're not sure of the timing of it. We're, we're not sure what counts as spring. Um, we're not sure if we're going to be any safer. And then let's just talk about the idea that we know the top the top tier kids, you know, your Sean Wade, your Justin Fields, you know, your Wyatt Davis. Um, I don't I don't know that these guys are going to play. Your Chris Olaves. I do you see them deciding to risk it all uh, yeah. for six weeks of football, eight weeks of football? I just don't see that, Tim. And I don't see these yeah. guys risking injury. Uh, particularly when they're not sure what the NFL is going to do about the draft. We all know that there's a clause in the CBA with the NFL that they can move the draft back as far as June if they need to. And that's cool. That would work for a couple of guys. Here's the kind of guys that will work for. That will work for guys like Jonathan Cooper, guys who are who you know haven't had a full year of film in their prime to show what they can do. He's a captain on this team. He had a medical red shirt. Yeah. Came back, one to play in one game, that Michigan game. But he really hasn't had a chance to show the next level because he is an NFL talent physically. He's an NFL talent, but he hasn't really had a chance recently uh, coming off injury in the last two years to really show what he can do. A yeah. spring season for him makes sense. You get out there, you get six weeks, you know, you tear it up a little bit, and then these guys go, okay, great. He's healthy. He's good to go. Let's get him into the combine and see what he can do. That makes sense. The rest of the guys on the team, it makes no sense for. If you're, if you're an incoming freshman – and you play in that spring season, and then you turn around, and what, they want you to play in the fall? You were just yeah. in high school last year. You're not built for that. I, yeah. As somebody that went from a, basically a spring season in that I played in a national championship uh, in, in 2000 and, uh, you know, six, seven seasons. So I was in a national championship. I went right from that to a bowl game, you know, the collegiate bowl games where you, you it's like an all-star game, right? Yeah. Played in the All-Star game to get evaluated by, you know, by the pros. Then started training for the NFL Combine, had the NFL Combine, had the draft, got drafted by the Oakland Raiders, and then go right into OTAs, right into minicamp, right into training camp, and then directly into a full NFL season. And I started 12 games my rookie year. So I played every single game on the schedule, all 16. I that was the longest Dude. year of my life. My body almost fell to – I almost exploded. To, it was wow. almost – Yeah, you know? yeah. And I yeah. was ready to – by the middle of by, – by Thanksgiving, I was ready to quit football. <laughs> I mean, it is it – Dude, is, the, the dude wanted to play football, ladies and gentlemen, and became a full-time job. It wasn't as much fun as it looked, was it? Beyond, I mean, even with the checks rolling, I'm like, yeah, the money's great, but I, I can't see straight in the morning. Yeah. I can't even get out of bed. Like, well, just it, from a mental standpoint, it had to weigh on you ridiculously, Jay. I mean, you're trying to learn new playbooks. You're trying to, you know, uh, learn new new city maps in your head and get used to living in the West Coast while also, it's just too much. So, and you're getting uh, banged up, and you're trying to play banged up, and you're trying to figure out, you know, to uh, rob Peter to pay Paul from a physical standpoint. I would think that was you know, quit. Yeah. It's not fair. It's not fair to these kids to have to do that because they're not getting paid like I was. So yeah. these kids are not professionals. And you're thinking they're going to go play a six, eight-week season in the spring, train all summer long, and turn right around and have a fall. And then here's the thing. What counts? What doesn't count? Does that right. count against their eligibility? Are you going to let them all just have, like, a free spring season 
and it won't count against their eligibility. So when all the guys come back, they're still sophomores, freshmen, juniors, seniors. It, it, it still doesn't quite add up, and we're, we're trying to make sense of it. But I'll be honest with you, I don't see a spring season happening. It, it sounds nice, and I know we all want it because we all love football, but it's just not realistic. We're going to have a season that needs to be right now. Otherwise, we, we're going to have to scrap the whole year and try again next year. I think that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and you and I both know this isn't like the XFL, though. If they did kick the can down to, to the spring, Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, Nebraska, which has got a fervent – I mean, my point is people would definitely watch it. I mean, this isn't – this wouldn't have to – I mean, it would be all kinds of reasons to watch it. But like you said, if you're really, truly uh, all about the welfare, health and welfare of the student-athlete, how would you ever – orchestrate this that it made sense except for play just to play to get some kind of like in print in in quotes a 2020 season on the record book that's what all you'd be doing right that's i mean what they're trying to do and, and tim really quick if i can uh i don't know if this is realistic or not but just from what i know about dwayne johnson and his purchase of the xfl with his partner danny garcia uh, his ex-wife, by the way, what a what a cool you know um, partnership there. They wow. must have a good relationship, which yeah. I think is very uh, impressive. Um, I think there's a space there for some of these guys. If 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 the XFL can get things set up fast enough, if they can get a quick you know hotel deal done, a stadium deal done, and create a a, a a mini bubble, so to speak, and form six to eight teams and have a quick spring season. Uh, serious, I think this is actually possible. You right away have a niche because there's going to be nothing going on football-wise in the spring. I don't think we're going to have a spring season in college football. And if mm -hmm. he can get all of those guys who don't want to come back for another year, they want to get ready to go to the next level. And he can say, all right, here's a, here's a six-week audition. You come play six games in our league. We'll pay you. And the NFL's watching. Everyone's watching. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad space to be in. If they, if, if they can get this thing packaged up, the TV rights would be huge. We're all going to watch because we yeah. we crave content right now, uh, specifically football in North America. So we're looking for that. And if they can get that set up for some time and, you know, right after the Super Bowl, have something ready to go, that would be pretty awesome. I think we'd watch that. Yeah, there have been so many attempts to, to form what I call that league in between major college football and the NFL sure. that have fallen on tough times because they don't really know really how to sell it, uh, who to sell it to, uh, when to play it and stuff, but like, uh, you know, we're seeing all kinds of things that have come, that are coming from this pandemic that have spawned these other ways of doing things. And that could be the, finally the uh, impetus that they need to get something going there. But of course the, uh, the, the key there is not getting it going. It's the uh, keeping it going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a Seinfeld episode, but uh, hey, I want to ask you this, Jay, before you go, uh, you were a star coming out of uh, Dublin, Sciota. Right. Yep. And uh, you were a, a local kid. You know, we all did uh, stories on you when you committed to to the Ohio State University, as you call it. Uh, put yourself in Jack Sawyer, Jack Sawyer's shoes. He is a determined. He's not going to play this fall. You know, for his school in Pickerington, uh, and just get ready uh, to enroll at Ohio State early. Uh, he is considered the number three overall prospect in the country. Uh, a defensive end. Uh, how tough is it being that kind of player locally signing with Ohio State? What What are the challenges Man, um, he faces from the standpoint of the attention, et cetera? Go ahead. 
Yeah, well, let me first things first, let me give Jack Sawyer uh, some credit because one, he, he was on my show last year on my uh, high school football show on, on, on first scores on Fox 28. Yeah. Love this kid. Great, great, humble kid. Um, fantastic looking athlete, by the way. The kid plays basketball, football. I mean, he can do it all. He was playing quarterback. I watched him throw touchdown passes. Yeah. I watched him catch touchdown passes as a tight end. I watched him sack quarterbacks all in the same game. I'm like, who is this kid? Mr. Um, Mr. Touchdown. That's his nickname. Go ahead. Yeah. That's what I'd call him. Yeah. The dude's a freak athlete. He can do it all. So I'm like, I was beyond impressed with this kid. And then I got the news recently that he's like, I'm just going to go try to play the spring ball. Like, you know, why are we even going to mess around with the high school season if I could have a chance to play in the spring? And my first thought was, what? And then I thought about it some more, and I was like, well, that makes so much sense. Why wouldn't you? If, if you're not going to have a real high school football season, if they're, if they're talking about a six-game season and they're not really sure how realistic that is, sure. Why not go ahead and enroll and get ahead of schedule on your classes and get ready to go? But let me just speak to being um, in this Columbus area bubble and being a local guy and being somebody that everyone knows, because I think people who are born and raised here, and, and I was actually born in Washington, D.C., Tim, you might not know that. Um, and I lived overseas as a kid. I lived all over. And hey, I was I, born in Alabama, raised in Texas, so I know where you're coming okay. from. But go ahead. That's where, yeah. that, that, that's where that southern boy Twain comes from. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't just faking it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense. Here's the thing. When I got to Columbus, I didn't even play football. Like, I wasn't – I, I didn't grow up watching football or playing football. I just, I was just, I'll be honest, I walked into school one day and I was the, the biggest, blackest thing in the school. And they were like, you should try football. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, let's give it a shot. It turns out it, it was a good move. Um, but for me, it was overwhelming, the attention, because I wasn't ready for it. You know what I mean? Like I was not, I didn't know what an athletic scholarship was when I was a sophomore at, at, at Dublin side of high school. And I got my first phone call as a sophomore in the middle of football season from Frank Beamer. I didn't know who Frank Beamer was. And he goes, listen, I'm here in Virginia Tech and I want to let you know that we want to offer you a full athletic scholarship. And I said, all right, man, thanks. Hey mom, I think there's a phone for you. I don't know why he's talking to me. And I get my mom the phone. And she got all teary-eyed. She goes, sweetie, that means you have somewhere to go to school. And I was like, oh, okay, I wasn't really planning on it. I wasn't sure. You know somebody was trying to sell you a timeshare in Western Virginia, didn't you? Go right. Ahead. I'm like, what is he trying? Like, who is this guy on the phone? <laughs> I remember Lou Holtz coming, uh, wanting, to send a, wanting to send a limousine to come pick me up my junior year and bring me to South Carolina. And my mom going, wait, you want to send a car and drive him to South Carolina? and to check the trunk of the car. And she was like, I don't feel good about this. And I mean, stuff like this was happening, uh, Tim, and I'm, I'm 17, I don't know anything about this world. So I could imagine, and, and I wasn't as good of a player as Jack Sawyer, I'll be honest, I think this kid's a, a freak of nature. I think he's amazing. So I, could, I can't imagine uh, the, the, well, all the lights on you and there's that local pressure of wanting to excel in front of all of your people, so to speak, right? Yeah. Like these are, you know, when I got to Ohio State as a true freshman, I remember thinking, oh, wow, everyone's watching now. And all of my high school classmates, teachers, all of my friends, family, um, everyone's right there. It's like they're all still right there next to you. And there's a lot of pressure in that. It'd be, I, I can imagine being these guys coming from out of state, you know, San Antonio Holmes coming from Florida, Nate Sally from St. Thomas Aquinas down there in Florida, all these guys yeah. are coming up. They don't have anyone around. They're just, you know, out here playing football and having fun, and they're happy to be away from home, whereas we're still right in the thick of it. And every single practice, we'd have people, you know, from my high school there. My high school coach would come to practice.
places at Ohio State and check on me. And it's like sometimes it's much. Like, all you guys to kind of back off and just let me kind of figure this out because yeah. it's a lot of pressure. I can imagine what he's about to be going through, um, being such a big, big name kid locally here. It's it's a lot. You know, you know all of the, the sports casters. You know, I, I knew who you were, Tim May, when I was in high school. I knew who oh, wow. all was. You know, I knew you because you guys covered me, and I you see all the same faces when you get to you know the Woody Hayes Center. It's the same faces, and you're like, man, this is. I mean, the show just keeps going on, and the show gets bigger. And for some yeah. kids, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. It's funny, Jay, because you were you were a late bloomer football wise, but clearly, Absolutely. clearly you had some ups, man. You started twelve games as a as a rookie in the National Football League. You know, I mean, that's crazy uh, to think about. But now you have expectations, like you're talking about. Jack Sawyer's supposed to come in and be pretty good right off the beat, like a like a like, like a, a Bosa, Bosa, right? Like a, like a like a Chase Young. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to live up to, right? Because no matter, I don't care how you good you are in high school, it is clearly a talent, cultural shock, yeah. you know, when everybody's as big as you, or almost everybody's as big as you, <laughs> and almost everybody's as fast as you. And uh, smarter than you. And, and that's hard you. And they have, and, and you go from being coddled to now the coach is screaming at you. I'll never forget Mike Brable screaming at uh, Joey Bosa, you yeah. know, <laughs> you know, well, he's, he's voice epithets. Go ahead. You go from you go from being the most dominant kid in your in your school or league, you know, uh, in high school. And I'll be honest, most kids have bad habits coming into Ohio State because they didn't have to yeah. try that hard in high school. Yeah, just, didn't have to. Just bigger, stronger, and more athletic. It took me two full seasons at Ohio State just to learn football technique, just to learn all the nuances to the game. I was still new to the sport of football. I only been playing since high school. So I was a super late bloomer in that I didn't even understand football concepts when I got to Ohio State. I put my same hand, same foot up in the ground when I got into my stance. And, and, and I'll never forget, you know, Coach Jim Haycock goes, oh, Jesus, kid, we got to figure this one out. <laughs> How are you getting lined up like that? And I was like, oh, this is what I do. He goes, you got, he goes, you got 10 sacks last year lining up like that? He goes, oh, man. He goes, yeah, you're a good athlete, but we got a long way to go. So those yeah. kinds of things – and, and, and the kids now, because of social media, because of the, the huddle and all the recruiting stuff, and because of the media machine of, of, of us saturating the market with, with them, yeah. they don't have time to develop. So Jack Sawyer won't get the kind of grace I got to be a late bloomer. We're expecting him to come in and be Chase Young, to be Nick Bosa, to be Joey. You know, uh, same with, you know, with Zach. Harris, we're, we're expecting yeah. him next year to dominate because, damn it, that's what we've been seeing out of our defensive ends, and you super talented guys better be doing that. And I yeah. think for him, that's going to be a shock. It's going to be it's going to be you're going from the big fish in a small pond to you're a decent-sized fish in a huge pond, man. This is yeah. almost the ocean. It's Ohio State. Everyone's good. Half of these kids are going to have a chance to go to the NFL. You have the genetics for it, but you better learn real quick how to produce at this level. And thankfully, yeah. he's got Larry Johnson, who is the best in the business, flat out. Uh, the defensive line coach, Larry Johnson, who's, whose son I played against in college and in the pros. He was a running back for the Chiefs who were in our division with the Raiders. And I got pictures of me slamming his son on his head. And I know Coach Johnson <laughs> laughs at that. But he's a fantastic coach, man. He's a guy that he helps these kids here first. So yeah. he'll, help him. he'll help Jack Sawyer manage his expectations for himself. He'll teach him all the techniques he needs, and then he'll help, you know, he'll help him focus on his job when he gets on the field because it's a job now. This is not just playing in, in college and class. No, no, no. This is your job, and that's what people need to realize. It is not a game. 
Yeah. And you might be wearing a mask while you're playing it. No, I'm just joking. Uh, by the way, touch on this real quick. And I'll let you go, Jay. I, I appreciate this. You know that, man. We, we, this is the same kind of conversation we're having outside the Woody, except why not tape it? That's the way I look at it. Uh, how, is Larry John I, – I, I've been around a lot of coaches, you know, head coaches, assistant coaches, going all the way back to high schools back in Texas and stuff. But Larry Johnson is as interesting a fellow as I've ever been around. I'm talking about – I mean, I've heard him lecture a couple of times, like the, the Ohio High School Coaches Association and, uh, and things like that. But the passion he brings, he's such a, an amiable person, you know, just in public when you're dealing with him. But the passion he has and the way he's always looking for that new way of doing things. You know, you've yeah. always got to be changing to stay ahead of the posse, so to speak, you know. Yeah. But just is – I don't know how much of a, of a luxury – is it for these guys who have been playing football at Ohio State, playing defensive line, to have him as their tutor? I Let mean, the right just swear by him, you know, for example. Chase Young. Let me tell you right now, he is a guy that could be a head coach at almost any Power 5 school out there. Seriously. He, he yeah. has that kind of ability to lead men. Um, Agreed. Any, any athletic director out there would want him to be a head coach. He's choosing to stay with us. And, I, and, and they had to increase his, you know, his pay accordingly, as they should have, because he's turned down tons of jobs. He, beyond loves what he does, he has pass rush down to a science. He has defensive line play down to a science. He has formulas for how this should look, and, and he finds a way to make it easy for guys to quickly grasp these concepts and get ahead of the mental curve. And I think that's his biggest gift. And then his other biggest gift is his heart. He loves these players. He loves their families. He, these parents trust him with their kids. And these guys adore him. I remember talking to Joey Bosa before the national championship, um, yeah. you know, when we were playing Oregon. And I remember him gushing about Coach Johnson and him saying, you know, and this is before he officially declared for the NFL early, but we knew he'd go. Yeah. And, and so he kind of said this, which was his way of saying he's leaving early. He goes, man, I'd stay another year if it meant just to be coached by him. And I go, so you tell him you're leaving? He kind of smirked and kind of goes, I can't say anything right now. I'm like, yeah. Hey, you just did. But he's, I mean, just him saying that, like, I'm willing to play college ball one more year if it means I can be around my coach. That's how much they love him. Because a lot of these guys, you know, they were, they were whatever about Urban, and it's not because Urban wasn't an amazing coach. It's because, his, you know, Urban's personality at the time, he was a bit prickly, and, yeah. he, and he was tough on you. And that was what was necessary for us to get to where we got to. And I yeah. respect and love Urban Meyer, by the way. I adore him. Um, but I think Larry was, was the guy that they all – he was the dad they all wish they had, you know. I mean, yeah, he was exactly. like, he's warm, he's, he's intelligent, he's encouraging, he builds you up. He's never looking to just tear you down for the sake of tear you down. It's all. But he was in your face. He was he was honest with you about mistakes, et cetera, like that. I mean, that's what. I mean, I mean, like I like I say, I like to say he teaches you the smarts of the game, but also the aggression that it, that it takes sure. to be that upper level player. I mean, you you know, it's not stand there and wait for something to happen. It's make make stuff happen. That's what I've loved about their defensive line play under his. You know, along with everything else, you're you're right. I mean, I you know. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, those are, see, that's the guy who my heart kind of goes out to, you know, he and Greg Madison, for example. I mean, they're older fellas, but my heart kind of goes out to them this fall because they've gotten, you know, they're just an example of getting players ready to, 
to make that next step to step in for like Chase Young, you know what I mean, Zach Harrison. And now it's it's kind of being denied. And, you know, finally somebody has, does have to make a go, no-go decision on whether you play football or not. And that's just life, you know. Somebody's always going to make a decision you don't agree with. But but those are the guys you really – they've gotten – they've built these – these, for one another, they're like Wright brothers, they built these airplanes. They want to see them fly, you know, but they're being. Well, I mean, think about it, man. You're talking about guys who it's no different than a guy that, uh, that, that, that loves to restore classic muscle cars, right? Yeah. And you spend hours under the hood getting the body right, tweaking the engine. You when want to wrap thing up, and you want to see what it can do one time. I mean, and, and you think about guys like, like, like Coach Kerry Coombs, right, like guys who – who just are passionate, who bring the energy every day, and they don't have a chance to go out there and see their product perform and, and be with them. They want to go into battle, man. These guys are generals. They want to go out there and feel it with them. And yeah. it, it's like they just have to sit and, and, and hope that this, this whole thing gets figured out. Dude, how many times they remodeled the Woodhays Athletic Center? They're going to have to do it again. They're going to put new carpet in there again because you got to figure these guys are just walking around wearing out, wearing out paths in the carpet because they – you know, they want to get out, like you said, they want to they want to see their, their new muscle car, all the work they put into it and stuff. Hey, Jay, this Unfortunately, Les Wexner's got enough of this right here. Yeah. All the carpet they need. Maybe some some waterfalls and a spa in there now. Oh my, goodness. oh, my goodness, man. You just uh, opened a can of worms of why, we'll have, why I'm going to have you back on again. We can talk about all the water wall and stuff. As I once said, I hope that's chlorinated, but uh, that's another story. <laughs> but, hey, Jay. Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on with me. And uh going to have Jack Sawyer on here later in this podcast. I'm going to bring up some of the things we talked about. But uh, this has been a slice, my man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, anytime, Tim. It was a, it was a, it was a pleasure. You guys ever uh, need me, I'm, I'm around. You know, I like to, to get on there and talk ball. You're a fun guy, man. So anytime. Yeah. Yeah, always a pleasure, man. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Jay Richardson. Yeah, Jay Richardson, you know, has his views, right, uh, Austin? You've seen him around. I mean, he kind of knows what's going on. And uh, it was an interesting little take there. He was certainly uh, passionately speaking out. I remember we were gathered around the Woody on Tuesday afternoon. He was there, you know, logging some hours and, and sharing his thoughts. And, you know, as a, as a former player, as an NFL player, as somebody who knows the value of having gone through the Ohio State program, he obviously felt pretty passionately about this situation, and lots of people do. So uh, he's not alone in, in sharing those views. Yeah, I was going to say, he has street cred. He actually has locker room cred, you know, and I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's definitely a, a major piece of currency in this thing. I mean, he should be listened to. All these guys, former players and current players should be listened to. And with that said, you know, I'll go right into this interview I did with Jack Sawyer, the young man from Pickerington, the number three overall prospect in the country who opted to forego his senior season in Pickerington. <laughs> to get ready to play football at Ohio State. And, uh, you know, and uh, just listen to this and we'll come back and you and I will chop it up a little bit more. Uh, but this, these are interesting times we live in. Without a doubt. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I welcome in Jack Sawyer to my, uh, to my Tim May podcast. Jack, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Because you got a lot of extra time on your hand now that you're not playing football this fall, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. A lot of extra time, a lot of more workouts though. So. Uh, how tough a, before we move into like the questions, the, I really want to, how tough a decision was that for you? I mean, what, what just finally put you over the edge that this is the best thing for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life. Uh, you know, definitely. And, you know, anyone who knows me knows that, 
you know, I'm a team player, you know, I'm a, I'm a um, super competitive guy. So, you know, anyone who knows me knows I want to be out there on Friday nights with all my friends and all the dudes I grew up with playing with. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of, kind of everything and all the uncertainty surrounding the season. And, uh, you know, after Big Ten got canceled and they moved it to spring, and, uh, you know, they're, they're saying that, you know, us early enrollees are going to be able to play in that possible yeah. spring season. Uh, it kind of just all came together, and I had to make a really tough decision to, you know, just try to focus and get ready uh, as much as possible to get in there and, you know, be able to play day one. Dude, how, how crazy would that be? You enroll in January and might be playing a game in February because we'll see what kind of rulings they have in that regard, you know, whether they – whether they say, well, you know, you know, because obviously they haven't set all the rules yet about how they would even – they haven't even figured out how they're going to have a spring season, to be honest with you. But uh, how crazy would that be if you were playing football at Ohio State in February? Oh, man, I mean, it'd be crazy. You know, it, it's unprecedented times. So, you know, I guess anything can really happen. Uh, you know, I think it'd be awesome, really, you know, being able to get in there and, you know, get an eight-game season like it's never happened before. Uh, I think it'd be great to, you know, get get my feet wet a little bit in some live action in the games uh, in that huh. early spring season. You know, it'll just help me – help my development that much more that early on. Have you talked with Coach Johnson and uh, Coach Day about, you know, your – obviously you talked with them about your plans, I'm sure. But uh, just uh, – I don't know. Are, are, are they good for you about making this decision? Or, you know, they understand what, what your decision was in passing up the, your fall season? Oh, but yeah, they always, you know, support, you know, everything I do. Uh, you know, I got a lot of love for both those guys. So, uh, you know, they definitely support me. You know, um, you know, they they always support my decisions. You know, no matter what. So, uh, yeah, it's about really. It's really you know, it's about it. You know, I had Jay Richardson on. He's a former Ohio State defensive end, played in Ohio State, and went to the Oakland Raiders and uh, started as a rookie there, twelve games and stuff, and had a pretty good career going. Until he got banged up, obviously, because that's always <laughs> the jeopardy yeah. you guys face when you strap up the helmet, right? And right. Uh, but. Uh, I was talking to him about being a really good player from the Columbus area and choosing Ohio State and sort of the pressure you you automatically kind of put on yourself in that regard, you know, because no you know, if you're from like Georgia or, you know, Louisiana or something and you come in and sit for, for a year or two, maybe you're talking to a few people back there, but you're not worried, you know, you don't have this – have this pressure of people asking, hey, Jack, I come here right in there starting immediately. But you decided you wanted to play for the hometown team. Why is that? I mean, it kind of, you know, kind of self-explanatory. I mean, think yeah, about it. Yeah, it is. Growing from, being from Columbus, you know, growing up here, uh, you know, having a love for the Ohio State Buckeyes since I was little, uh, you know, running around my little James Laurinaitis jersey. Uh, <laughs> it it kind of just made sense, you know, with the, with the position I play, obviously defensive end, and uh, Coach Johnson being a coach. I mean, it was, it was a no-brainer for sure with the products he's – he's put in the NFL, who he's, he's made, turned players into on and off the field, really. And then, I mean, the, the pressure you talk about, you know, for me, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, I kind of like that pressure. Uh, I think I've talked about that a few times, you know, to some other people too, but yeah. there's a lot of people who would love to be in my shoes. And I kind of always, you know, never take anything for granted. Uh, I think a lot of players, you know, take it for granted, you know, they have all that pressure on themselves and, you know, they start, you know, thinking maybe, man, I hate this, you know, I mean, it's, I'm so stressed, but, you know, for me, I always have to take a step back, you know, be thankful for where I'm at, uh, be thankful for, you know, the pressure that's on me right now. So, because uh, I, could, I could be one of the guys, you know, still scratching a claw for, you know, for an offer or whatnot. So, always like to, you know, keep it in a, you know, good spirits. I was going to say, man, you're the number three overall prospect in the country, according to the uh, 247 composite of ratings. Uh, you know, no brag, just fact, right? But number yeah. two, you know, you could be one of those guys who, 
you know, by the middle of the by the middle of next season, you could be enjoying the name, image, and likeness situation, uh, which I'm sure you've thought about, right? I mean, you're one of these smart guys who doesn't just think about how fast your get off is, right? Right. No, I mean, definitely. You know, definitely. Uh, I think it's in the back of all of our minds uh, that you know that's coming up here soon, and uh, it's going to be like the Wild West. The first, you know, it's, it's the it's the first time ever. So yeah, uh, I think anything can happen, and you know, definitely want to start you know building your brand and. Uh, letting people who you know who you are and stuff like that. So I think we're all getting ready for that. We're all excited about that. Because, uh, I mean, like I said, it's never happened before. So uh, it's going to be crazy. I was going to say, man, you got to get a couple sacks, though, to perpetuate it. You know what I'm saying? I, I know. I got to. I have to, man. I have to. Hey, uh, you know, Jack, though, you know, as you, as you look at this, uh, it, uh, how would – what's the word you would use, though, about what's going on now? Is it crazy? Is it – uh, mind-boggling in the sense that like it, things seem to change from one day to the next or one week to the next, you know, about what's going on, you know. Even with high school football, you know, they want to play, but there's no assurance they're going to play, you know. Uh, exactly. How, how would, what, what's, what's the word you would use? Yeah, I mean, I would just say everything's still just up in the air. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys that I like when, you know, people come out with a, a set guideline or a set something that we're all going to listen to, we're all going to follow. I think a lot of people are uh, – a lot of the, you know, higher-ups who are making the decisions are hearing too many different things. And a lot of people who shouldn't be voicing their opinions are voicing their opinions. Uh, I would just like, you know, everyone to just come out with, you know, a cold-hearted, well, we're going to do this, and this is how we're going to do it. Uh, and everyone's going to follow suit, and that's how we're going to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I think all this uncertainty stuff is just kind of leaving – it's unfair for the athletes for sure, uh, you know, because a bunch of my friends, you know, practicing, but who knows if they're going to get a game or not. You know what I mean? They're, they think yeah. they're going to play our rival pick central week one, but you know, the governor could come out tomorrow and say, we're not doing that. So I think it's, I think they needed to, they should have came out with something probably a few weeks ago. That's the clear and, you know, down to the point of uh, yeah. starting the season. Well, I was going to say that's for the Ohio state parents, you know, parents association wrote that letter to the big 10, because yeah. they're not clear why the thing was canceled or basically because they built in a buffer in the season where they could have pushed things back and see how things went. And then if it exploded, like it's doing at North Carolina right, right now in the student body, you could have made a decision then. That's why they're upset about it. How impressed are you with that? But also uh, with like Justin Fields putting that petition up on the, on Twitter yesterday. And it's got now two, basically around 250,000 signatures as we speak, uh, basically saying they want to play they want the protocols in place that protect them like they've had it at Ohio State, you know, for, yeah. for three months. But it, it's, it's an interesting time now where players even feel the confidence to speak out. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, I love the idea that Justin Fields putting that petition out there. You know, I think, I think all the athletes, you know, across the country, you know, in the major – you know, even in the mid-major, maybe lower D2 levels, you know, I think they all kind of feel – they feel safe with the protocols that are in place at their universities. Uh, definitely at Ohio State, I think all the players feel safe. I don't think anyone was feeling, you know, unsafe being, you know, around playing football and whatnot. So, yeah. you know, I love the idea. You know, voice – you know, they need to be, they need to be heard. Uh, all of them want to play. Uh, it would suck to see a guy like Jonathan Cooper who came back and not be able to play in the spring and whatnot. Uh, it would just be heartbreaking, you know. He put so much time into – to work in so much time and, you know, himself and the program and all that. And just to see it go to waste, you know, it'd be devastating. Yeah. But you understand why people, the higher ups are, are looking out for, for your best interest though, don't you? I mean, from the standpoint, cause this, 
COVID-19 is so unpredictable. Even if you right. get it, you may not get it like I got it. You know, I'm 66. Exactly. You're, yeah, I'm 66. What are you, 14? No, I'm just joking, man. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But, but then yeah. again, it may hit you as hard as me. You know, it's, no, it's, it's individual. Not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's by person by person. You know, I'm not one of those dudes that are saying, you know, it's nothing or it's fake or whatnot. But like I said, I just think that uh, the NCAA and all the conferences together should have came out and uh, kind of said something collectively for a, a guideline to follow and have stuff in place for if something does happen, then this is what we're going to do. And that's how we're going to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, I uh, hey, wait a minute. Let me interrupt you. I ought to be young and naive about somebody taking control and doing that. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. That's that's the big thing that's come out of this, Jack. Is the NCAA has been pretty quiet on this thing. You know, they why, why would you ever allow three conferences to play in the Power Five and two not? You know, go yeah, ahead. It, it, it makes complete. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just think the NCAA should you know be a leader at this. You know, step out and make a clear cut. This is how we're going to do this. We're going. You know, I mean, it's just it, it seems it seems like it, they're just ma making a simple decision. Uh, just so complex, which I get it. You know, it's it's never seen before. You know, it's a pandemic that we haven't seen in the country, you know, ever. Uh, and, you know, I understand that they're trying to, you know, keep everyone safe. You know, keep if, – if a player gets in, you know, spreads it to some, you know, an, an elderly person who may die from, you know, obviously I understand that. Right. You know, right. we, we need to be safe. We need to protect, you know, our communities and stuff like that. But I still just think, you know, it could have been – the season could have been saved is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I got you in some form or fashion. You're right. You know, the last pandemic uh, that I know of was the Spanish flu in 2000, excuse me, in 1918. And it's funny because there are pictures of fans sitting in stands that year. I think Ohio State played four, maybe four or five games because everything was limited. Plus, it was World War One. you know, near yeah. the end of World War One. But there were fans in the stands then wearing masks but still cheering, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And there's no doubt in my mind that if – if Ohio State came out and said fans are allowed no matter what, that place would be packed 100,000 deep without a doubt. Oh, but, that's why that petition's got 250,000 signatures on it, man. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Hey, last thing. Uh, uh, you know, I asked you a while ago about Larry Johnson, but, you know, here's Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa. Joey Bosa now the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. Yep. Wow. Can you imagine? I know that's where you want to go. Uh, Nick Bosa. He's right there. I mean, his signing bonus, I'd take that and retire three times, <laughs> eight times, uh, yeah. you know. But what is it What is it about Larry Johnson, if you could put it in a nutshell, that attracts – that is obviously wanted to play for Ohio State, but Larry Johnson had to be the – had to be the almost the putting you over the top thing, right? 100%. I mean, like you said, you know, Ohio State, you know, it sells itself. But, man, Larry Johnson definitely put it over the top, like you said um, – like I've said a couple of times before that I think Larry Johnson's kind of has a special it's, – it's something about him. He's a unique guy yeah. uh, in a way where how he can express, you know, how to how to get, to get his point across and how to really teach you and help you in different ways of your game that, you know, maybe some other coaches wouldn't be able to do. And I think, you know, like you said, it speaks for himself. Joey Bosa is going to be the highest played defensive player ever. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa had 10 sacks as a rookie. Chase Young just broke a sack record at Ohio State with 16 and a half, was up for the Heisman. Um, he's just he's just a unique person, you know. It, it's really he's really a one in a million type of guy. How he can express himself to so many different kids with different backgrounds. Uh, I mean, it's it's really unique. Honestly, is all, all I can really describe it as. Have you ever played for a coach who doesn't curse? Uh, 
No, honestly, I haven't. Well, no. There you go, Larry Johnson. That's, you're headed into that. I'm not saying he's all the coaches don't curse. <laughs> he's unique. I mean, he says, you know, he, he shouldn't have to he shouldn't have to yell or he shouldn't have to curse to get, you know, what he wants out of his players. And I'm 100% yeah. with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you're you're so, Ohio State for a reason. I mean, you know, it's like it, – this yeah. isn't like being begged to go to some faraway state you. I mean, the, yeah. the level of <laughs> – the level of talent there should be motivation enough, right? That's what you're saying. Exactly. No, exactly. 100%. All right. Last thing. Uh, I know I said that, but that's my calling card to ask three last things. Uh, <laughs> no, who not. knows? We may, we may edit it and make that the last thing. No, I'm just joking. Man. <laughs> yeah. uh, how much attention, if that's the correct term, and I think Jeremy Birmingham touched on this with you too, but how much attention have you gotten from other schools since this Big Ten thing came down? Meaning, I would – you know, I w- if I was a salesman, I would keep knocking on your door until, you know, until you've signed your national letter of intent because right. what have I got to lose, right? Yeah, no but doubt. How much attention have you gotten from elsewhere? Uh, you know, honestly, it's, it's kind of it's dead. You know, I don't really get uh, a ton of attention from other schools anymore because uh, I think they all know if I could have signed my letter of intent last year, I would have already signed it, sealed it, and sent it in, yeah. but – uh, I mean, I, I do from a little bit, a couple of schools, uh, I mean, like LSU and those guys, they, they reach out to me every once in a while, but uh, pretty much everyone knows that I'm a Buckeye. I mean, there's no flipping me. So uh, it's kind of, it's, they hadn't really been as, as much as people would think. Yeah. Yeah. They had you at hello. But uh, when they contact you, they go still interested or sure. You're not still interested. In, how, how do they approach you? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I haven't, no one's really, texted me or called me in a while okay. I, I just they usually just send me mail uh in the mail so just say yeah. you know the little little cards and whatnot but that's really about it you know your guns are look sort of like mine uh no i'm just messing <laughs> no, with no you're looking good man oh you're yeah yeah i just like put, put a jacket on so I, I had some class to the to you know to my situation here but uh <laughs> no, no. What, what kind of shape are you in right now obviously you know uh you had some you know a little bit of an injury or something last year right or you got banged up a little bit but yeah. what kind of shape are you going to let people know? What what size are you at? What, what's your aim going into uh, January 1? What do you want to be at, et cetera, when you show up ready to play? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm about 6'5", two, two, I'm closing on 250 here soon. Wow. Uh, so I, I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, I feel like I'm moving better than ever before. Uh, I definitely feel like I'm a lot stronger than I ever have been. Um, and, you know, I think that I'm going to go in – my goal is going to go into Ohio State around 260. Uh, and then, let, you know, let Coach Mick put the rest on and uh, yeah. do, do his thing a little bit with me. But uh, I'm just in the best shape of my life is really all I can describe it as. Uh, I put in a lot of work. Uh, like you said, I had an injury back in November. Uh, it was a tough grind back, but I feel better than I ever have before. You know, leg feels great. Uh, whole body feels great. And, you know, I'm just ready to ready to get in and make, make some plays. Dude, since you were 11 or 12 years old when you were really paying attention, I'm sure, you've heard of Coach Larry Johnson. You've heard of Mervyn Meyer, now replaced by Ryan Day, who – Who's, who's fire, I think people are now noticing more than ever, you know, yeah, yeah. Players, players. And Mick Marotti, a legend in his deal. And legend. now you're going to get to go. I mean, I would think back then, you know, you're thinking, maybe, you know, maybe I, if I get big enough and good enough, I can maybe go to Ohio State. But now you're getting ready to go yeah. there and deal with those guys. I mean, what that's, that's just – it's almost like Christmas a little bit, isn't it, for you? Wow. 100%. I can't wait. You know, I can't wait to be on Coach Mick's uh, workout plan, you know, get me all – you know, jacked and ribbed. I can't wait for that. And then, you know, being able to work with Coach Johnson every day is going to be, you know, 
going to be awesome. Like you said, it's going to be like Christmas morning every day, uh, you know, just trying to get as best as I can uh, in the weight room and on the field, going through the bag drills and whatnot. Uh, I just can't wait, honestly. It's just going to be awesome. Gotcha. Hey, Jack, this was exactly what I thought it would be. This was a, a great a great uh, time, great conversation with you, man. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck. We'll talk more down the road, brother. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you. Have a good night. You too, Jack. And we're back. Boston. Boston Ward. Uh, you know, we've heard from Jay Richardson. We heard from uh, Jack Sawyer. But what do you think's coming down, man? I mean, uh, you know, I would have said a week ago after the Big Ten decided to cancel the season, the, the fall season, push it back to possibly in the spring, that that was the end of the story. But, you know, Kevin Warren made a, made a big point about listening uh, to the to the players' demands who, you know, in essence, the college athlete unity situation when they put out that letter about Big Ten athletes all agreeing about the COVID-19 situation. He read it and, uh, in essence, responded to them. How do you not respond to at least – five major universities in your conference uh, out of uh, 14 uh, parents coming up with a letter saying that uh, with the proper protocols, they believe their sons should be able to play football this fall. And also the football players all stepping up uh, and the uh, petition that Justin Fields, the quarterback at Ohio State, uh, circulated on Twitter on Sunday suddenly has picked up more than 235,000 signatures. How do you not also pay attention to those uh, pleas, demands, whatever you want to call them? Well, I think you, you have to acknowledge them. You have to have some conversations and address them with the players, address them with the coaches, address them with the families, maybe give an interview where you don't uh, evade all the reasons that you made this decision, which he didn't make by himself. I think it's important Correct. to that, that he works at the leisure of the university presidents, and they're the ones who have made this vote and who um, – by every indication and every single person that you and I have both talked to about this over the last week, there, there is no reconsideration going on. Um, the big 10 false football season is lost. Um, you know, I, I think that they could have been, I, I think delay was the right option. I, I think that Ohio state wanted that. I think you could have bought time and the saliva testing, you know, may change things. I don't, I don't think the end outcome really would have been any different, but um, you, you certainly, when you have this much support um, from multiple programs, the most meaningful programs in the Big Ten, if we're being honest, and the most significant player in the league, um, that should tell you that you didn't handle the rollout very well. And this league has always um, prided itself on, the, on unity and the, the messaging being consistent from 1 through 10, 1 through 14, you know, whatever the situation is with the current number in that big 10. And, and it doesn't have that right now. It has to recognize that it made some errors along the way, even if the outcome is probably, uh, you know, inevitable and, and wasn't going to change. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing too, though, is it, it's a, there are all these mixed messages coming out because you've got players who are opting out across the country. Also, you know, you had them opting out in the big 10 before, before the, before the decision came down. I mean, Mika Parsons from, from Penn State and Rondale Moore, for example, from from Purdue are two of the star players. We're going to be two of the premier players in this league this year. So they stepped away because they were concerned about it. Yet you've got other players like Justin Fields and, you know, uh, Jonathan Cooper, these current Buckeyes who would, you know, want to play. They've left no doubt about it. But then you also have their parents saying, 
like little league fashion, they have my permission to play. You know, if the certain protocols that you've laid out are followed because they're confident that Ohio State is going to take care of its business from both a testing standpoint, a medical standpoint, and a safety standpoint from, you know, the way they practice, practice et cetera. So, man, this is – I've likened it to uh, – you ever, you, ever, you ever see those videos of uh, these bus drivers who drive these buses down these winding switchback roads on, in the Andean mountains of Chile with like 50 people behind them? And over here on the left side is this beautiful mountain rising straight up. And on the right side is this beautiful valley going straight down. And if you don't maneuver correctly, you know, you're over the edge. And, uh, and I think Kevin Warren probably and the Big Ten people feel more like that bus driver than they do the people in the back of the bus. And meanwhile, the people in the back of the bus are counting on him to be as safe as possible as he maneuvers and hopes, for goodness sakes, the brakes don't go out. Yeah, and <laughs> look. I think that they are trying to to keep it on the road for the future of the league and for the future of these, you know, student athletes as much as possible. I I recognize fully how difficult the situation is for them. I think that the SEC, Big 12 and ACC wants the lawyers and presidents uh, and doctors down there really are faced with the situation. You know, camps didn't open until Monday for the SEC. Right. I have a hard time believing that once they get to that point where the Big 10 was in a week or two, that that their decision will be any different. I, I don't believe that contact, contact tracing protocol, the way it's in place right now, makes it feasible to have a college football season. You know, I I don't I I think it's great that Justin Fields is stepping up and using his voice, or Trevor Lawrence, or whoever else. I think it's wonderful that um, Big Ten parents are doing everything thing they can to fight right now. I you know. Everybody needs hope right now. That's great. We all wish that there was college football. I would never advocate for them not to do that. And I, I really wish that there was college football. And I hate having to sit here with the Debbie Downer reports that the presidents aren't changing their mind. Um, you know, I, everybody was clinging for that on, on social media or looking for the petitions and the letters from the Big Ten parents. And maybe, maybe there's a chance. Maybe this will do it and tip the scales the other way. I, I don't. I don't believe that it will. I think the main thing that it will do is set up Ohio State to push uh, more strongly for that December start of practice and to maybe play in January. I think there are a ton of challenges involved in that. I think yeah. they're gearing up for the next fight with this and laying the foundation because there's not, you know, even if they reconsidered, I talked to people about this over the weekend and at different schools. You know, they, they released that de facto bubble. They stopped having workouts. They stopped testing. If Ohio State came back to the Woody tomorrow, there would probably be positive tests. They would probably have to quarantine for two weeks before they could practice again. So starting sure. September 26th, it's no longer even practical because they made that decision last week. So, you know, I don't, I don't take any joy in having that told to me and then passing it on, but that's just – the situation that, that the Big Ten is in right now. And you understand the frustration. I mean, college football in general, but Ohio State in particular, for example, hadn't just flattened their curve. They had wiped it out. I mean, you know, with, with the protocols they had taken and had done everything right. As Dr. Dr. Corey M. Teague said on that little interview I did with him, I mean, they did everything they were supposed to by the book uh, 
followed protocol. Ohio State did too, set up all of these uh, situations to take care of business. And you've done your due diligence. And yet, at the end of the day, you're told that wasn't good enough. In essence, that's what they're saying. This is this, we don't feel comfortable with this. And you and I are right. I mean, but you, like we've said a million times on here on this Groundhog Day edition of At Speed, At Speed podcast. Man, that was a slip. On this Groundhog edition of the Tim May podcast, I was over at Indi- Indianapolis way too much this weekend. The bottom <laughs> line is uh, you can still get COVID-19 going to pick up fast food. I mean, or going into the convenience store or hanging out with your buddies. There is no stopping this until there's a vaccine, yet – as Dr. Corey Teague said, but is there an acceptable, acceptable risk, risk about it? And are you willing to take? And, you know, the parents have said they're willing to take that based on these protocols staying in place. So that's the, that's the, the collision we're dealing with here right now is parents giving permission, players wanting to take uh, responsibility, and yet uh, – the leaders, like I said, the drivers of the bus saying, no, we're not going to, we're not going to take this, this route's too slippery today. We're not going down the mountain. Well, and you know, even when you, I like, I like carrying on an analogy when I get one going, even though it doesn't really, you know, you can't make sense. Actually, I think that's a good analogy to be honest with you. Can't let go of the wheel when you're driving down that mountain. Bingo. Keep it in low gear. So here's, you know, you look at the players being willing to take the risk and we know that they are, without question, and that the parents are supportive of that. You know, part of the problem now is that the initial request was not to sign any liability waivers from schools. Um, you know, that was, yeah. you know, part of the Pac-12 United, part of the Big Ten movement early on. In, you know, federal you know, congressmen were asking them not to do that and sign those forms or mandate that they be required. And now the conversation has shifted that they would be willing to do that. And I don't, you know, I don't know what the right option is either way. I know that the university presidents are not willing at this point to take that risk on behalf of the students. Yeah. It, it's a hard, painful decision and it affects not just players, not just coaches, not just their families, but entire communities in the big 10 footprint. And, and eventually I believe strongly still around the country. Yeah. But let me interrupt you, but you know, from a legally binding standpoint, that's what I brought up with Dr. Teague. I said, you know, when you get, when you when you folks basically attach your names to a, a letter like like they did about the you know the acceptable acceptable risk, say that three times, it's tough. But also uh, keeping in mind that the schools and the conference will follow a certain protocol. You're you're sort of signing. I mean, you're sort of like ipso facto issuing a waiver uh, in in many respects. And like he said, he's trusting of Ohio State to take care of things uh, in that regard. That's, that's the faith they have in him, that if his kid gets a concussion, they will look after him. If his kid gets a Charlie horse, they'll look after him. If his kid gets COVID-19, they will look after him. So, you know, you know, both he and Justin Fields talking about the petition and stuff, they're in essence saying they're willing to take the risk, which any good lawyer would come back later and say, hey, you know, this is what you said, and you made it public. You know, this wasn't some secret so it's just an interesting time we're in, man. Yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, there's still issues with, you know, Congress, uh, you know, weighing in on this and, and what's looming with name, image, and likeness. Yeah. Uh, 
how big of a factor is that uh, right now? Um, we can have, we're left to draw our own conclusions until Kevin Warren actually speaks about it. Um, but that's, that's still just part of it. You're still going to have uh, local government officials, whether that's state, you know, county, city, whatever, across the Big Ten, having their say about what you can and can't do. And that was never going to change. There, there were just going to be um, challenges all along. And I get that you're asking, you know, the teams that are willing to play Penn State, Iowa, Nebraska, um, if you're capable of doing it to put that schedule together. But what, you know, what would really be better? I think right. leagues when contact tracing comes into play will not be able to play this fall. So planning for the spring where you might actually have a national championship to compete for. And again, that's getting way down the road. And I don't know how practical that will actually be, but you know, it's just, it's just not going to happen this fall and you have to prepare for the next thing. And this is, this is the only way forward that I can yeah. see right now. And by the way, I, I refer to this as Groundhog Day edition. Uh, but, you know, if you remember the movie Groundhog Day with uh, Bill Murray, every time he woke up, it was the same day, but there was a different – he took a different path every day and uh, became a piano player, uh, a great dancer, uh, et cetera. You know, I mean, that's what this is like. This isn't like waking up, it's the same old story. There's a new twist every week. And you and I, once again, have handled – I think this switch back in the road, I think extremely well, don't you? <laughs> but, we, you know, you never know what the right or wrong option is going to be. Like I, I, I think that delay would have worked. I do it, But I don't necessarily believe that it would have led to them to play on September 26th or any other date. The, the contact tracing part of it is the one that I cannot get past for playing football right now. Um, yeah. Not in a bubble, and if you don't have a vaccine – you're going to wipe out rosters in a hurry. And this weekend, you know, strengthened my belief in that because of what you saw with the clusters at North Carolina, Oklahoma taking a couple days off and immediately having nine players test positive. Yeah. Uh, sorority house with 21, 23 cases in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And yep. then Alabama players speaking out on social media about, you know, bars being packed, no masks on bid day down in Tuscaloosa. Yep. That continues then there's a great chance that Kevin Warren will be vindicated in, in his decision to be proactive early. It's just right now we're caught up in this PR battle with the mixed messaging in the Big Ten and the desire to play when the other leagues are not, weren't willing to jump in the pool with the Buckeyes, with the Big Ten, however you want to look at yeah. it. And, and they're just frustrated by that. But the okay. end result, I'm telling you, this is where everybody is headed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the idea of a spring of a spring league, which basically would be a winter late late winter league, <laughs> is kicking the can down to something that probably is not going to happen too. If you follow my, I mean, uh, I agree. Yeah. I, like you said, until there's a vaccine that can play that can satisfy everyone, how do you how do you how do you play football again based on the way Ohio State and the big excuse me the Big Ten decided to cancel this fall season? How do you play it? Until that happens, I mean, based on the criteria they used, I don't, I don't understand how you could and feel, and in their minds feel safe about it. That's why, as Dr. Corey Teague said, you know, there is you, you have this acceptable, acceptable risk. That's a, I wish they had another term for that other than that because I don't say it very well. You have this acceptable risk that you're willing to take. Uh, that you know, in in the uh, leaders' minds, that's not good enough at this point. So. 
you know, we'll be back a week from now to see how yet again things have changed, to see whether the Justin Fields petition has gained a million signatures or not and whether that will matter. But until then, for Boston Ward, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.